We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. Good to be back in the captain's chair for AFA at the Core. In studio with you here at American Family Radio, my name is Walker Wildman. And once again, it's good to be with you. AFR.net is our website. AFR.net is our website. The uh, the weekend, I had a, a an air, I, I aired a re-air on Friday, this past Friday, because I was out of uh, the state of Mississippi. I was over in Colorado, Colorado Springs more specifically. So I've basically lost how to do radio. Um, you hear me uh, stumbling over myself. I can't pronounce re-air, <laughs> uh, but it feels um, a little weird being back in studio. Um, a four-day weekend really shouldn't do that to me, but it did. Uh, but here I am, and maybe by Thursday or Friday of this week, I'll be back to normal. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, our verse of the week is out of the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. 19 and 20 is the verses that we're reading out of this this week. Verse 19 out of Proverbs chapter 3, The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. Uh, That's out of the book of Proverbs. And you think about the Lord's creation. It's absolutely fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating to think about everything that God created in six days. God created the heavens and the earth and everything that dwells in it, and it's just absolutely uh, fascinating. And many people, including myself, that myself at times, um, say, "How could He do that?" But let me warn you against trying to fathom or grasp that which God has done, but trying to do it from a human perspective. It is it is it is impossible as 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 humans as flesh as made uh, out of the dirt to to fully grasp all that God has done and all that God can do and His powers and His magnificence. It is impossible from a human perspective uh, to fully grasp God's power and God's creation. Um, but when you rely on the Holy Spirit and you trust God's Word, um, it is amazing to see what God has done and to have full faith, full confidence in God's creation. Um, A story I want to talk about, but before I do, the um, resource of the week is right out of our own resource center. And this is, speaking of what God can do, this is a powerful testimony. The testimony of Laura Perry. Laura is featured in our In His Image documentary that is up on our website, inhisimage.movie is the URL there, inhisimage.movie. You can watch it for free, by the way. Um, but Laura, Paris, Laura Perry's testimony is, is powerful for multiple reasons, but one of the main reasons is that God took her out of a life of bondage, took her out of a life of deception and sin, 
and totally re- restored her life. Totally restored her life. Um, the the name of the book is Transgendered, Transgender to Transformed, Transgender to Transformed, a story of transition that will truly set you free by Laura Perry, and the foreword is by Dr. Everett Piper. Uh, but this is amazing, an amazing book, and uh, an endorsement by our, our good friend Ray Comfort out of California. Here's his endorsement. Quote, this book offers a living hope and healing for those struggling to find their true identity and encouragement for families who love them. End quote. That's by Ray Comfort. So go to resources.afa.net, and you can find this excellent book slash testimony from our resource center. Um, but that's what God is in the business of doing. That's what God is in the business of doing, and that's what our work here is driven at, are driven by here at American Family Association, and that is uh, our, our vision is to be a leading organization for biblical worldview training with the goal of transforming lives, with the goal of transforming lives through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's our goal here. That's what keeps us encouraged. That's what keeps us going is that we're not fighting with human tools, with human weapons. We're fighting with the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and, and God can transform that which, uh, in human terms, we think is irredeemable and non-transformative, uh, but God comes in and God changes lives, and he did that with you and I, and he can do it with anyone else, no matter their circumstance or their situation. Jumping into the news of the week, we've got to go back a little bit, uh, which leads, it's going to give context and lead us into a clip I want to play, but... Uh, for for years now, the Democrats have been known for the party of lawlessness, the party of lawlessness. And I can go through story after story after story where people with a D by their name, they just don't follow the law. They think the law doesn't apply to them. The rules don't apply to them. The rules only apply to the little guys and the people who call themselves conservative. Well, an example of that goes back to 2014. 2014, 2014, uh, many of you remember the whole IRS scandal under the Obama administration, the lowest learner scandal, where you had our Internal Revenue Service targeting conservative groups. They were going after groups, going after conservative groups, uh, simply because of their ideology. And when I say going after, they were slow walking the their applications. They were denying their applications in some circumstances. And they were just doing all they could to prevent conservative groups um, from establishing themselves, according to the IRS standards. Well, Lois Lerner was at the center of that. She was an IRS employee. She was at the center of that. And in, in 2013 and 2014, she was under a lot of pressure. She was being investigated by conservatives, by Republicans in Congress. And here's a story from March 2015. This is March, I'm sorry, March 2014 from CBSNews.com. House Oversight and Government Reform Committee Chairman Daryl Issa, Republican California, reconvened a hearing Wednesday that began more than nine months ago to investigate whether the IRS targeting conservative groups, a scandal that was exposed in 2013. The problem was he didn't have a witness to answer his questions again. Lerner, once again, Lois Lerner, asserted her Fifth Amendment right not to testify as she did last May when she was first called to testify before she first spoke at the hearing Wednesday, Issa warned that his committee would consider whether to hold her in contempt if she declined to testify. 
Uh, so Lois Lerner just decided she wasn't going to talk to Congress. She was going to plead the fifth, and then later on down the road, she wasn't going to show up. Um, but this is this is fascinating because um, we're trying to the 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 role of the uh, legislative branch are the House of Representatives and the U.S. Congress. The role of U.S. Congress is both the House and the Senate is to provide oversight to the executive branch, is to provide accountability to the executive branch. That's what they do. That's why you always see people coming in and testifying. It's because the because Congress has the legal authority, according to the U.S. Constitution, to provide legal oversight and accountability and oversight to the executive branch. Uh, that's their uh, a constitutional right vested in the U.S. Congress. And so here Lois Lerner, um, an Obama IRS employee targeting conservative groups, she said, I'm not coming, I'm not testifying uh, before Congress, even though she has a legal obligation to. Well, I'm going to play a clip here. This is clip six. This is Adam Schiff, Democrat, California. Uh, he's heading up or a part of this January 6th commission investigating the January 6th um, protest at the Capitol. And he's telling he's telling everyone here on this media outlet that the, that, that the Trump associates, they have to comply with our subpoenas. They have to testify before Congress clip six. Let's listen. The chairman of the select committee, Benny Thompson, says if these witnesses don't comply, then I'm quoting now uh, criminal contempt or other measures will be open to us. That's a quote from Benny Thompson. What other measure, measures, Mr. Chairman, are on the table? Well, that is, frankly, the most uh, probably the most severe measure. Uh, there are a number of ways to enforce subpoenas, as we've tried uh, over the last four years. There is civil efforts uh, to uh, seek to effectuate those subpoenas in court, but that can be very time-consuming. Now, during the last administration, when Bill Barr was the attorney general, uh, he was doing everything he could to protect the person of the country, not the, not the country itself, uh, which meant, of course, that he wasn't going to assist in enforcing subpoenas. But it's a very different Justice Department now that puts the public interest first. Uh, and so if people, you know, willfully ignore the law and they defy these subpoenas, then pursuing a criminal contempt is viable. And we would hope that we would have the support of the Justice Department in that we have to reestablish that people can't simply thumb their nose at legal process and get away with it. That is Adam Schiff, Democrat out of California, saying, you know, people people can't just uh, just snub their nose at the the legal process, they have to respect it. They have to obey it. Congress has oversight authority. Well, where was he in 2013 and 2014? Nowhere to be found. You want to know why? Because the person that was being subpoenaed, that was being requested to testify before Congress back then, well, they worked for the Democrats. They worked for a Democrat president under the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service. So the rules don't apply to them. The rules don't apply to them, but if you want to investigate this January 6th protest in Washington, D.C., well, then you've got to uh, you got to come. you got to obey Congress. You've got to obey the subpoenas. And, Bobby, you take this and you contrast it. Well, you first off, you contrast IRS, uh, nothing really happening to Lois Lerner. But then you look at what is happening to people who protested on January 6th. Okay, I'm not talking about people that broke or, or trespassed into the Capitol building, um, which there's a lot of debate around that and whether they were clearly told they can't come in. There's video of Capitol Police opening doors for people. But nonetheless, putting that aside, these are just people who didn't even go in the building. They were just in the grassy area outside of the Capitol. 
Some of them are still in holding in federal prison in Washington, D.C. On, mis- on misdemeanor charges, by the way. I think uh, I think that's a significant takeaway out of all of this. But the, the other thing from the shift clip that I think is very interesting, notice that he called it person of the country. Hmm. He didn't even have the gratuitousness, if you will, to say it was the president of the country. Yeah. It was the person of the country. By the way, somebody who was duly elected yes. to that office as opposed to somebody who, by all points and measures, uh, has uh, found us to be fraudulent. And more more will be rolling out on that, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and that, that, this, that goes into and furthers this whole, the whole narrative that was built around undermining President Trump. I mean, from day one, actually before day one, uh, these, these folks here were working to undermine his presidency. All built on lies. And I've got the stories, and I'm going to actually cover them today. That was a good lead into it, Bobby. But, you know, this entire uh, operation that goes on in Washington, D.C., a story after story breaks where it's the Democrats that aren't following the laws. And, 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 and everything that they are guilty of, by the admission of the media, I mean, the media ends up covering these stories, but everything that they're guilty of, um, they project onto Republicans. It's almost case by case by case. They project what they are guilty of onto Republicans. I mean, you talk about um, the Russia collusion narrative, which was proven to be a hoax. Well, guess who brought about that entire hoax? The Clinton campaign. And and one of Clinton's lawyers was actually charged last week. The media didn't cover it, uh, but he was charged last week for lying to the FBI in 2016. How did he lie to the FBI? This uh, lawyer, Michael Sussman, he was a partner at law firm Perkins Coy, or Coey, and he lied to the FBI. He was the one who started the Russia hoax investigation. The Clinton campaign paid Michael Sussman to go to the FBI and, and start the Russia hoax. He started the hoax with the FBI, which launched the whole Russia Mueller probe. Who started it? Hillary Clinton's campaign paid Michael Sussman to go to the FBI and not just go to the FBI, but lie to the FBI about the Russia hoax. So that's how it all began. We'll talk about who was really colluding with Russia and Ukraine after the break. AFA at the core. We'll be back. So Aaron took it as Moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague had already begun among the people. And he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living. And the plague was stopped. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Often when the concept of intercession is raised, we normally think about prayer. And we should. Prayer is one form of intercession. Here we see another, living intercession. At the climax of a plague, Aaron runs into the fray, armed with incense, and where he stands, the plague stops. Aaron literally stands between the living and the dead. May God move us to be living intercessors for our day, and where we take our stand in Christ, the plague stops. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. A recent Mental Health America study reported that 54% of surveyed youth 11 to 17 years old report frequent thoughts of suicide or self-harm, the majority of surveyed kids. This was the highest reported rate since the research started in 2014. Serious mental health struggles are at epidemic levels amongst our girls. The most proven effective way to release girls from the chains of harmful thoughts is service. Psychiatrists and counselors agree, when girls get out into the community, they are able to form connections and find a sense of belonging, purpose, and importance. If your daughter is battling thoughts of self-harm, connecting her to a service opportunity is one important step to rediscovering her worth. Want to learn more? Read about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. You know, a lot of times you have to choose between something high quality or something that saves you money. But if you can get both, why not? Especially when it comes to healthcare. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare. And that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network. So yeah, really, you could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. AFR.net is our website. Download the American Family Radio app on your mobile device. Hey, by the way, we're also live streaming on Facebook and YouTube. Go to AFA at the Core on Facebook or YouTube. On YouTube, we have an AFA at the Core channel. And then on Facebook, we have an AFA at the Core page where you can watch the show in both of those places. Uh, So go there and check that out. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the AFA at the Core podcast. Uh, Jumping right back into this, I told you, I teased you before the break, um, that it was actually uh, Hillary Clinton that was colluding with the Russians. And I've got the story here. Unlike the Democrats, unlike the fake news media, I'm not just going to throw stuff out there, throw you um, uh, narratives out there without backing them up with fact. And so that's what we're going to do right now. Many of you probably remember this. If not, here you go. Uranium One. Uranium One. This goes back to 2013, 2012-ish under the Obama administration. And, you know, we all have short-term memory loss, not literally, but politically speaking, and when it comes to current events, we don't even remember what happened two weeks ago or three weeks ago or Afghanistan, the debacle there. Um, We just get so much information thrown at us that we have a hard time uh, keeping pace and keeping track of everything. But Uranium One, this was under the Obama administration, and America, the U.S., under the Obama administration, while Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, we sold 20% of America's 
uranium production supply to Russia. Yes, we sold the U.S. at the direction of the Obama administration while Hillary Clinton is Secretary of State. They do this Uranium One deal that sells 20% of our production of uranium to the Russians. Well, what's uranium used for? It's used for making nuclear bombs. It's made for you. It's it's used for making nuclear bombs. And we're selling that to the Russians. But the Russians are the boogeyman. Vladimir Putin is the bad guy. And I'm not saying he's not the bad guy. But why did the Obama administration, at the direction of Hillary Clinton, sell 20% of America's uranium to the Russians? And then, meanwhile, Ukraine... Later down the road, not too, that, not too far after, Ukraine is being invaded by Russia. Remember Crimea? Ukraine is being invaded by Russia. Well, what does the Obama administration do? He sends MREs and blankets to the Ukrainians. This is a NATO member. Instead of sending lethal arms to Ukraine to defend their sovereignty and their border from Russia... From Vladimir Putin and the dictator he is, instead of sending lethal aid to help the Ukrainians fight back the Russians, President Obama sends blankets and MREs. I mean, you really can't make this stuff up. I mean, if I wrote a fake book, a a fictional book on stories that I just think of out of the top of my, my, my head, I couldn't even make this stuff up, how crazy and ironic it is. Uh, so the next time you, you see the narrative that Russia and Trump were colluding, it's an absolute lie, absolute hoax. And it was actually the Clinton uh, Secretary uh, uh, Department of State, along with the Obama administration, that were colluding with the Russians and actually hurting Ukraine in the long run. So that's the that's the deal there. That's the projection that happened uh, several years ago under the final days of the Obama administration. Hey, let's project onto this, this guy named Donald Trump coming into office. Let's project onto him what we're actually guilty of. And then it'll take all the media, all the attention of America's media and the world media, it'll take it all off us and place it on this uh, this outsider coming into Washington, D.C. Well, they were largely successful. They were absolutely largely successful. Um, moving on, I came across these. I told you last week about the Politico, uh, the little bitty paragraph in the Politico Uh, report last week that admitted that the whole Hunter Biden laptop story was real and the laptop was legit and the the information from the laptop was legit. And here's another story, and this is actually separate from the whole laptop story. This, This information didn't come from the laptop. It came from a separate source provided to Business Insider is um, where this came from, but nonetheless, here's the headline. Exclusive new emails reveal Hunter Biden asked for $2 million plus, quote, success fee to help unfreeze Libyan assets. And so we saw with the whole Hunter Biden laptop and emails originally that the media tried to block and censor, and they actually successfully did block that story from getting out to much of the public. But um, we saw from the, those emails released on the laptop that Hunter Biden was willing and dealing and using his father's position in government to make money. I mean, that was clear. Uh, 
Hunter Biden was striking deals with all kinds of companies and, and governments across the world uh, because his last name was Biden, and he was leveraging his father's position in government to make millions, to make millions of dollars in um, in, in, in arenas and, and, and sectors that he had no knowledge on. He had nothing to do with, um, like natural gas, for example, in Ukraine. And he was cutting deals with Chinese businesses and Chinese Communist Party. Here's the Business Insider story. Two previously unpublished emails sent by business contacts of Hunter Biden indicate that the president's son requested an annual retainer of $2 million to help recover billions in Libyan assets frozen by the Obama administration. The emails obtained by Insider during reporting on an unrelated matter, meaning not related to the Hunter Biden laptop in Delaware, are not connected to the controversial emails from Hunter Biden's laptop. And while it appears from the new emails that the Libya deal was never consummated, the documents offer a window into the mechanics of the Beltway influence peddling in the stock that was put in Biden's political connections, particularly his relationship with his father, who was vice president at the time. The first email dated January 28, 2015, was sent from Sam Jahari, a Democratic donor with businesses in the Persian Gulf, who was helping spearhead the Libya project. It was addressed to seek Mohammed al Rabani, another Obama campaign donor, involved in the proposal. In the email, Jahari is frank about what Biden would bring to the table <laughs> and what he says Biden wanted in return. So I'm going to read this email to you that is from a Democrat donor on behalf of Hunter Biden. I'm going to read this email to you. And uh, the last part of the email has some stuff that it's probably not appropriate for children. There's no profanity here, but uh, the way the ex the description of Hunter Biden's activities um, and his his private life is um, something I just wouldn't spend a lot of time on. But nonetheless, that's my disclaimer. Here is the email that was sent on behalf on this Demo from this Democrat donor on behalf of Hunter Biden. Per phone conversation I met with number two son, which is the vice president's son. He wants $2 million per year retainer plus success fee. He wants to hire his own people. It can be a close circle of people for confidentiality. His dad is deciding to run or not. His positives are he is chairman of the UN World Food Program, talking about um, Hunter Biden, son of number two who has Libya file, access to state, treasury, business partner of Secretary of State John Kerry, John Kerry's son, and since he travels with dad, he is connected everywhere in Europe and Asia, where Muammar Gaddafi and LIA, Libya Investment Authority, had money frozen. He said he has access to highest level in PRC, China. <laughs> he can help there as well. His negatives, his negatives are that he is an alcoholic, a drug addict, kicked out of, kicked out of the U.S. Army for cocaine, chasing low-class low hookers, constantly needs money, liqui liquidity, problems, and many more headaches. We should meet in Gristand or London to decide next steps. So here we have a Democrat donor communicating on behalf of Hunter Biden to uh, Libya, the Libyan government, that Hunter Biden can get their assets, about $20 billion in assets, unfrozen if they will pay Hunter Biden. 
You pay Hunter Biden a $2 million retainer plus a success fee. And don't worry, I will lobby the U.S. government and I will lobby my father as vice president to get these assets unfrozen. Uh, one example of many of uh, Hunter Biden leveraging his his father's position in U.S. government to make money for himself. But look, you're never going to see this stuff investigated. You're never going to see this stuff investigated because the top levels of the FBI and the DOJ are compromised. They're compromised because they're, run, they're running the Department of Justice as, as a political operation. It's a political operation. We go after the Republicans. We go after the good guys who are trying to help restore American integrity on the world stage. We go after those guys and we protect the Democrats and their relatives. I mean, you can explain it in no other way. You talk about Hillary Clinton scandals. You talk about the Clinton Foundation. You talk about the, the email server with classified information on it in her bathroom. Um, you talk about all these other examples, and no, nothing else can explain it other than uh, the DOJ protects the Democrats. That's pretty much the explanation there. Um, another story I wanted to mention, this came from the New York Post. This is, this is a bombshell. I mean, this is really a bombshell, and I'm surprised it's not getting more attention than it is. And I, I genuinely am surprised because this is a huge story. But New York Post published a story this past week. Here's the headline. Biden could owe as much as 500000 in back taxes, government report indicates. And so this goes through how Joe Biden was running all of his speaking fees um, back in 2017 and other years, he was running all these speaking fees through an S corporation. And uh, um, Republican Study Committee Chairman or Representative Jim Bakes from Indiana, the Republican, he uh, he questioned the Congressional Research Service, which provides reports back to Congress, uh, whether what Joe Biden was doing was legal or not. And CRS, the Congressional Research Service, they published their report back to Jim Banks, the Republican congressman. Of course, they didn't name the president, Joe Biden. They just published a report back to uh, Jim Banks' office on what they thought of this uh, hypothetical or this situation. Uh, the CRS report doesn't name Biden, but analyzes cases in which the IRS won a judgment against taxpayers who paid themselves suspiciously low salaries from S corporations and counted most of the revenue as, quote, distributions exempt from Medicare tax. Uh, the story goes on to talk about how uh, Joe Biden funded all this money through this S corporation, didn't pay some of his ta federal taxes on this money, and how if, if the IRS was serious about enforcing the law, uh, they would be investigating the president right now on, um, on tax evasion. But instead, what do we do? We say we need Trump's tax returns. We need Trump's tax returns. Why do you need Trump's tax returns? Oh, we just need his tax returns. Uh, what if there's something in there, they say? Well, you could say that about anybody's tax returns. What if there's something in there? Well, they've had trouble, and, and, and people have leaked President Trump's tax returns. But nonetheless, that's another projection. It's another projection. Hey, let's go after Trump's tax returns when we're the ones not really paying taxes. Um, so next time you hear an allegation against a conservative, against a Republican, you better watch the other side and what they're doing. Moving on to a few other stories, you know, the division in America is pretty steep. Uh, I'm not going to say we've never been this divided before because that wouldn't be an accurate statement in my opinion. Uh, but the division is pretty severe. I mean, the division is pretty stark. 
uh, between the two sides, the two ideologies and how we think America should be run. Um, and Chris Hayes on MSNBC, he did us no help um, in uniting America. Instead, he helped further divide America. And this, this comparison he provides is absolutely shameful. This is Chris Hayes on MSNBC comparing Tucker Carlson to the KKK. Let's listen. Ever since there have been immigrants coming to America in large numbers, there have been bigots and racists who did not want them. One consistent argument those bigots and racists have made is that the newcomers would overrun the people who were already here. This is really old standard stuff. And usually it was about race, ethnicity, or religion. It, of course, happened to the Irish and the Italians and the Jews and the Chinese. In fact, the first bit of immigration legislation in this country was literally the Chinese Exclusion Act. Happened to the Mexicans, most recently Haitians. The fundamental message of these bigots across time is that these bad, other, dirty people, uncivilized, different than us, will overrun and replace us, the good, pure Americans. Well, uh, Chris Hayes goes on to there to compare Tucker Carlson to David Duke and the KKK. And I, I, I couldn't even play the montage that Chris Hayes put together of Tucker Carlson and David Duke, comparing the two. I mean, it was absolutely reprehensible. I couldn't even let that get on the airwaves. But but this is what, it's a, that's why I say this is a zero-sum game. This is a zero-sum game. It has been clear, the, the, the conservative position has been clear for years that legal immigration is, is acceptable. Legal immigration is actually good for America. There are millions of legal immigrants in this country. I know many of them. The American story is that of legal immigrants. But what, where we go wrong, where we go sideways, is when we begin conflating legal immigration, which is a good thing, it's an American thing. When we start conflating legal immigration with illegal immigration and talking about the two as if they are exactly the same. No country, no sovereign country, no matter what the skin color is, we got people of all skin colors, all backgrounds in this country. No matter all of that, the position of every country is, hey, we need sovereign borders. We need to know who's coming in and who's going out for a plethora of reasons. That is not racist. That is not bigoted. That is not hateful. That is called common sense. And it's backed up not only by the Bible, but it's backed up through human history. Legal immigration is a good standard. We'll be back in a few minutes. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. 
Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Here's another of our core values. AFA upholds the truth that all human beings, including the unborn, are created in the image of God and are worthy of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Thank you for standing with us, and we thank you for your support. May I tell you about 17-year-old Esther in Africa? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Esther is only 17. She's part of the famous Maasai tribe in Kenya. It's a country that I visited not too long ago. Girls like Esther, they're subjected to Maasai traditions that are not taught in the Bible, including female circumcision and polygamy where a man has many wives and some younger than Esther are forced into arranged marriages against their will. Now, having endured this mistreatment, Esther lived with bitter unforgiveness until a Bible League volunteer introduced her to the hope of the gospel and now she's led dozens of teen girls and young adult women to Jesus and she's praying for Bibles so they can grow in their walk with Him. And that's exactly why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleless believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 Bibles and Friends of Bible League will match every single gift. Call 800-YES-WORD 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D 800-YES-WORD or click sendbiblesnow.org sendbiblesnow.org org. Hi, I'm Miki Addison, and on behalf of American Family Association, we would like to invite married couples to participate in this month's By Design Challenge. We're calling it the Date Night Challenge. This month, if you are in the Jackson, Tennessee area on September 20th, my husband Will and I would like to personally invite you to join us on the campus of Union University for a night of biblical truth and encouragement for you and your spouse. If you are not able to attend, simply make reservations at a restaurant or create your own date night at home. Make it a night dedicated to connecting with your spouse. In order for us to know you participated, take a picture and post it on our By Design Facebook page with the hashtag BDDateNight. Go to afa.net slash by design to be encouraged and reminded that our marriage is God's marriage and it's worth fighting for. One man, one woman for life. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. Why do we do what we do? Why does American Family Radio, why does the American Family Association continue to stick around and share the truth about what's going on in our country and try to inform, equip, and activate individuals and families all across the country. Why do we do that? Two reasons. The first reason is that the gospel compels us to speak the truth about what God's Word says about our culture and our society and about human life and what we're here for. That's the first reason. And that drives us to action that drives us and it helps keep us encouraged. The Holy Spirit keeps the believer encouraged even during dark times. Secondly, you look out throughout generations past in American history and few of them have been easy generations. And this entire American experiment, which is was was founded out of divine inspiration, when you look at what the Founding Fathers went through, look at what the Pilgrims went through, look at at the Revolutionary War and the miracles that happened through that. I mean, George Washington was shot multiple times. 
And you can go story after story after story that can only be explained through divine intervention. But this country is truly the greatest experiment in human history. And as part of being a good citizen, I'm not going to sit by on my hands with my mouth closed while people who hate our country, who hate God, who hate his word, and hate the good that America has produced in this world, I'm not going to sit by while those people ravage and take over our country. That would not be noble. That would not be good. That would not be righteous. It would be the exact opposite. And so that's what keeps me encouraged, and that's what should keep us all driven towards sharing the truth. Back to these stories that uh, I was covering before the break. Um, This view, uh, once again, this view... This uh, false equivalency, this false comparison that wanting legal immigration and not wanting illegal immigration is somehow bigoted, outdated, it's bad, um, that is all built on a lie, and, and it's, it's conflated for a reason. It's intentionally conflated uh, so that we can't even have a conversation about legal immigration. Why? Because y'all are a bunch of racist bigots. That's why. Uh, so the debate is shut down. Uh, the debate is shut down. We can't even have the conversation. That's a, a, a usual tactic by these folks on the left, by the regressives, as Abe Hamilton calls them. But um, another a conflation and another um, position that is absolutely unsustainable for a sovereign country is that of Representative Al Green. This is a Democrat out of Texas, and here he is saying, we just need to let everybody in, all the Haitians, They should be let in. They should be given legal immigration status. No questions asked. Clip five. My position is the Haitians were not treated fairly in 1966 when we started the wet foot, dry foot policy. And the Haitians are not being treated fairly now because we have TPS for some Haitians and we don't give it to other Haitians. I believe we ought to give TPS to those Haitians who are coming through the border. Because if it is unsafe for some to go back, and we know that it is, just had an assassination, just had an earthquake, we know that it is, then we ought to do what I believe not is just the right thing. It's the righteous thing to do. There are some things that you have a moral imperative to do. And I think we need to reexamine that law. I've asked uh, the secretary to do so. And I hope that that law will be reexamined. And let's not send them back. Well, that's uh, Representative Al Green saying, we just need to let everybody in. We just need to let all the Haitians in. And by the way, (laughs) oh, the media, they're so deceptive. This whole claim that all 20,000 or 15,000, the number we don't know, we know it's a minimum of 12,000 illegal immigrants that came in through Del Rio, Texas. Uh, This whole narrative, this wide-sweeping narrative that is not being, um, it's not being countered, not being caveated, if caveated's a word, but there's no caveat included. They're just saying Haitian illegal immigrants, or they're not even saying that. They're saying Haitian immigrants. We don't know where these people came from, and neither does our government. So this whole narrative that all 15,000, all 20,000 of these people are Haitians is, is unfounded. You want to know why or what provides evidence to my statement? There are passports. There are documents that are being found at the border that are from passports from like Brazil and all kinds of other countries that aren't Haiti. 
So what does that mean? That means these people are getting to the border. They're throwing out all their documents that they used to get to Del Rio. And then they're crossing the, the, the river there, the Rio Grande River. They're crossing it without the documents so that our agents don't know where they're from. You can say, you can say I'm from, I'm from Israel. I'm from Africa. I'm from Russia. You can just say whatever you want to say. <laughs> and unless you're in some kind of international database, which is far and few between, we have no idea where these people are from. Uh, but instead, our media is just throwing out uh, uh, Haitian immigrants, Haitian immigrants. When we, we don't even really know where they're from. Um, but no, let's don't ask questions. Let's don't question it because that's bigoted. Uh, the illogic knows no bounds. Uh, Bobby? Yeah, he, he's trying to say that it's the righteous thing to do. But yet killing babies in the womb mm. is not or is the righteous thing to do. I'll leave that up to the listeners to, to define, I guess. Their priorities are out of order. And that's putting it mildly. Their values are upside down. And the the whole the whole position, and, and some Republicans have this position too. But this position, this wide ranging elastic position, um, that if 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 foreigners have a tough life, if they're from an impoverished country, then they should be let into America. Friends, that may sound big-hearted. That may sound compassionate. And you could probably make the case that it is. But it's not. And here's why. That position means that over half of the world, if not like 70 to 80% of the world, could just come into America, no questions asked, and no documents, no legal system, no process, that statement that if, if you're from an impoverished country like Haiti, um, if you're from a country with a corrupt government, if you have an earthquake or a natural disaster, that automatically you all get to come to America. Folks, that, that will, and it is, breaking the system, breaking the back of the American system. And I'm not defending and talking about the American system just for the sake of the American system. And so that we can all sleep in our warm beds at night, yada, yada, yada. No, I'm talking about the American system that protects the world. I'm talking about the American system that exports the most missionaries and mission work in human history. I think it's like 80 to 85% of all foreign mission work comes from the homeland. It comes from America. I'm talking about the country, the system that anytime there is a natural disaster in another country, we're flying military aircraft over there with pallets of water, food, and clothing. Not to mention all the private entities like Samaritan's Purse that spend hundreds of millions helping other countries. And so this whole narrative that America's heartless and we're just full of a bunch of greedy people, we don't, don't get me wrong, we're no saints. But America, the American economy, the American system, the American government, despite all of our flaws, provides the most stability and the most flourishing uh, for all the nations in the world. We are there typically to defend all the nations of the world who have our values. Um, and so when we talk about controlling our borders, legal immigration, respecting the rule of law, letting people come here, but letting them come here through an orderly fashion that's fair, by the way, that's fair for all the people who put in their proper paperwork, pay all the fees, 
and get references and all that work that is involved with coming here legally, uh, all those people are getting the bad end of the deal here. They're getting the short end of the deal. Um, but instead, we've got this upside-down worldview. We've got this upside-down worldview where if you just you know, happen to jump line, then you can just stay. I mean, it's like the, the, a small analogy would be if I've got this homeless shelter or this shelter where I'm feeding people who are hungry, and we've got a line, and you come, and you show up on time, and then you get in line, and if you get in line, then you get fed eventually. You get taken care of. Well, the way America's working now is we've got this line, but we're letting anybody and everybody just jump the line. They're just jumping the line, and all the people that are in line properly, they're all getting pushed to the back. They're all getting pushed to the back, and that is not fair. And by the way, many of the people that are getting pushed to the back are from these same countries that these Democrats claim to have the most compassion for. Claim to have the most compassion for. I wish we actually knew and had published all of the legal immigrant applications that were in the queue right now. Because I would love to go find someone from Haiti, someone from Guatemala, someone from Mexico, someone from far, far away, and get their testimony about how their legal immigrant application is now being put in the queue for five to ten years down the road. Why? Because we've got hundreds of thousands of people crossing the border illegally. I would love to have that testimony that would be a powerful, powerful testimony. Moving on, uh, our commander-in-chief, by the way, AFA has a action alert coming out. If it's not already out, it'll be out this afternoon or tomorrow morning. Uh, but this action alert has to do with uh, how President Biden, the commander-in-chief, is absolutely throwing our Customs and Border Patrol agents under the bus. I mean, he's going after them viciously. He's going after them harder than he's going after the illegal immigrants. Going after our Customs and Border Patrol agents, here is... Uh, clip seven. This is the commander in chief threatening our federal agents. Let's listen. Of course, I take responsibility. I'm president, but it was horrible what to see, as you saw, to see people treated like they did. Horses barely running them over, people being strapped. It's outrageous. I promise you those people will pay. They will be an investigation underway now, and there will be consequences. There will be consequences. It's an embarrassment, but it's beyond an embarrassment. It's dangerous. It's wrong. It sends the wrong message around the world. It sends the wrong message at home. It's simply not who we are. Uh, there's the president slandering the Border Patrol agents who have been falsely accused of using a whip against illegal immigrants, and they haven't done anything of the sort. These agents in Del Rio, Texas, were riding their horses, which is common practice amongst Border Patrol agents and law enforcement, and they were trying to prevent, trying to block, physically block the illegal immigrants from coming into our homeland. You know, that whole thing about cutting line, they were trying to prevent them from cutting line. And the, and the media just absolutely took this falsehood, took this hoax, spread it around America, spread it around the world, and have completely undermined the integrity of our Border Patrol agents all over a falsehood. All over a falsehood. And, and folks, you think we got problems now? You wait till these agents start retiring and resigning by the dozens or by the hundreds because their commander-in-chief doesn't have their back. Uh, you think that's going to make America more safe? Um, that's absolutely not going to be the case. Moving on to uh, one other story, uh, one other clip I want to play. Um, this is a clip three. This is a short clip. But on CNN, Dr. Wen, W-E-N, she's an emergency room physician, 
she's on CNN all the time spewing this stuff about COVID and this fear-mongering, trying to make everybody uh, tremor in fear about COVID. Well, she goes on this little short rant about the jab, about the shot, and about how it protects everybody. But listen to this logic here, clip three. Those who are vaccinated, we now know based on the CDC, they are now able, We, but with the Delta variant, because they carry so much more virus, they could transmit it to their unvaccinated family members. And so I, for example, even though I'm fully vaccinated, my children are not because they're too young to be vaccinated. So I need to be now careful for my children because of all the unvaccinated people around us. What? That's Dr. Wynn on CNN saying, she is saying that people who have the shot carry higher loads of the virus when they get infected. We got to hear that again. Clip three. Those who are vaccinated, we now know based on the CDC, they are now able, We, but with the Delta variant, because they carry so much more virus, they could transmit it to their unvaccinated family members. And so I, for example, even though I'm fully vaccinated, my children are not because they're too young to be vaccinated. So I need to be now careful for my children because of all the unvaccinated people around us. <laughs> oh, man, that was that was mumbo jumbo logic. Um the vaccine, the the shot, we all need to get the shot. Here's the logic. We all need to get the shot. And the shot doesn't prevent you from getting sick or spreading the illness. But we all need to get the shot in the name of COVID. <laughs> and by the way, when you get the jab, it can make you have higher loads of the virus, higher viral loads, when you do get sick. So get the jab to protect America, but but if you get it, you might can still get COVID. You can still spread COVID, and not only can you spread COVID, you may actually spread it more than those without the jab. Wow, the logic, it just goes all over the place and never ends. Oh, there's no end to that logic. AFA at the core, I'm Walker Wildman. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to check out our website, AFR.net. AFR.net, go to the AFA at the core page, and we'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.